I'm so glad that I'm here this morning. Last Sunday, I wasn't here, and I realized that uh, I really love you. <laughs> I missed you. It was just one day, but it felt like many days. I'm so glad that God has uh, kept me here and has given me this opportunity to proclaim his word. And it really doesn't matter uh, where I am. I know that here I am home, and this is the place that God wants me to proclaim him as we encourage one another to know him and to grow in this relationship that we have with him. In few words, I'm trying to say that I missed you so much. But do you know that uh, because of our limited view of life and death, when we experience afflictions, when we face difficulties in life, we are tempted to think that uh, children need to be dismissed. <laughs> Thank you, Christina, for reminding me. I said, I have missed you so much that I'm not even. Yeah, because of our limited view of life and death, when we experience afflictions, difficulties in life, when we face challenging moments, we are tempted to think that God has lost control. We are tempted to think that God has stopped caring. We are tempted to think that uh, he is not as good and as loving as he claims to be. And this truth unfolds in Lazarus' experience, in Lazarus' family, Turn with me to John chapter 11, if you're not there yet. It's a familiar account that is known by many of you. Lazarus is dead. And his sisters, Martha and Mary, are disappointed. They are grieving the death of their only brother, and they are disappointed at Jesus Christ because he failed to come when they called for him. When Lazarus was sick, Martha and Mary sent for Jesus. Jesus was not only their savior, but their friend. Jesus hears this message that the one you love is sick. He hears this message, and Martha and Mary probably expected that he would come and visit and maybe heal their brother. But Jesus hears the message. He understands it. And instead of going to visit, this is what he says in verse 4. 
of John chapter 11. He says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. That is confusing because we know that Lazarus dies. So how can Jesus say that his sickness will not end in death and at the same time he dies? Can you imagine what the sisters are going through? It is hopeful when they hear Jesus saying it will not end in death. But when he dies, it's disappointing. It's confusing. But this tells us something about Jesus. It tells us that our perspective can be very different from his perspective. It tells us that where we see death, Jesus sees life. When we think it's the end, Jesus sees a beginning. It tells us that our interpretation of the events that we face in life can be very wrong. Do you know why? Because we have a limited view of life and death. We cannot see the end from the beginning, but Jesus can see the end from the beginning. He knows the end of the story, and therefore he can say his sickness will not end in death. From Jesus' perspective, Lazarus is still alive. Even when he dies, because death cannot separate us from Christ. There is no illness, there is no pain that can separate us from Jesus Christ. That's why we, we don't die. We transit. We move on to be with the Lord. His sickness will not end in death. And you know, death is a very good example of the afflictions that we face. Because in death, we experienced the most grief, the most sorrow, and at times, the most pain. It's a good example of the difficulties that we experience in life. Whether it's the loss of a loved one, whether it's an illness, whether it's your children or your grandchildren moving away from the Lord, whether it's drug addiction and alcohol addiction, any other difficulty, any other affliction that comes to you, that death is really a good example. 
And in Lazarus' experience and the sister's experience, we see how Jesus deals with our afflictions. We see how God deals with our difficulties. Martha and Mary and the Jews that were there reflect the way we respond or the way we are tempted to respond when we find ourselves in difficult experiences, when we are facing afflictions. Look, when Jesus comes, when he comes to visit this family, in verse 21, the first person that sees Jesus is Martha. And listen to what she says. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother will not have died. My brother died because you delayed your visit. That's what she's saying. In verse 32, Mary comes to Jesus. Same response. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You are the reason my brother is dead. The Jews, in verse 37, when they saw Jesus, they said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? They all look at Jesus and they confess that you are able to stop him from dying because according to them, death is the end. And Jesus is coming four days late, but according to him, death is not the end. He says to Martha, I am the resurrection and life. With me, you have no reason to fear death. Your brother will rise again. I am the resurrection and life. As far as Jesus is concerned, where he is, there is life. It's only where Jesus is not that you will find death. That's why anyone who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ is considered dead spiritually. And he is going to die physically, and then he will die again in hell. A relationship with Jesus Christ gives us life. 1 John chapter 5, verse 12. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have that life. Wherever there is Jesus, there is life. If you are listening, if you are here, and Jesus is not your Savior, You don't have that life. But Jesus is willing to give you that life. 
He is willing to come into your life and share his life with you so that you can have a hope for your life after this life. And when he comes in and he gives you eternal life, he forgives you your sins, he makes you a new creation, he begins to transform you into a new creation, a new person, you will begin to realize that the life that you are running for is not the life that you needed. You will realize that Jesus is the only one that you need, and you will find joy in the life that he brings to you. And you will not see death as the end. How many of us here have felt like Martha and Mary? You look at uh, your loved one who is dying and you are asking, where are you, God? You see a child suffering and you are tempted to ask, where are you, God? You're trying your best as a Christian to be as faithful as you are, but you find yourself facing challenges that make you ask, where are you, God? You try to be the husband that you know you should be, the wife that God wants you to be, but your, your marriage is falling apart and you're tempted to ask, why are you allowing this to happen, God? You feel like Martha and Mary. And many times we approach God with our prescriptions in mind, and I've said that before, we, like Martha and Mary, when they sent for Jesus, they had some expectations from him. And sometimes that's the same way we approach the Lord. We approach him with our prescriptions in mind, and when he doesn't respond the way we expect him to respond, we blame him. And some Christians have given up even praying because it doesn't feel like God is really caring. And it's okay. It's okay to bring our feelings to God. In fact, some of us, God is the only one who can hear our feelings, who can listen to what we are going through. Some of us, we have experiences that we cannot share them with others. We can only share them with God. And it's, it's okay to bring your pain and all the emotions you have to the Lord because he is willing to listen to you. He is willing to minister to you. 
But at times we are tempted to blame him. The heart of this text is in verse 5 and 6. Look at verse 5 and 6. It says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days, and then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. John wants you to know here that his delay is intentional. He wants you to know that his delay is motivated by his love for them. He is not delaying so that they can suffer the pain of losing a loved one. He is delaying because he has something greater for them to experience. It is intentional. It is motivated by his love for them. I wish that's how we saw the Lord. That when I pray and he doesn't seem to respond, I will realize it's not because he is denying me. It's because he loves me and he's doing something that I can't wait to receive. It changes your perspective when you see the Lord that way. When you are convinced of his love for you, the love that doesn't change, the love that made him die on the cross, when you're convinced of that love, you won't doubt his response. I wish that's how we saw the Lord. He delays because he loves them. You know, I wish my wife saw me that way. <laughs> that whenever I delayed, she would just know it's because he loves me. <laughs> my wife is one of the people who likes keeping time. I think we can end this message here and it will be enough. And you go home and you are asked, what did the pastor preach about today? And you just say, the Lord delays out of love. All these years I've been wondering, why is God not responding to my prayers? And today, I just learned that. And it's enough. But I, I have more. <laughs> Most of the time, our limited view of life makes it difficult for us to believe in the goodness of God. Makes it difficult. You and I are so limited. 
We don't know what will happen next. When someone falls sick, we begin to worry what will happen, what will happen next. When you feel pain, strange pain in your body, it brings worry because you don't know how the end of that particular issue looks like. And that's why it should always be uh, important for us to turn to the Lord because he knows the end of the story. It's very important. And when we turn to him, he gives us a perspective, a different perspective. We begin to view our situation differently. We begin to see what we are going through in a different way. Martha and Mary show us how we are tempted to respond. Jesus show us how he deals with our afflictions. From verse 33. So Jesus has come to this house. Mary comes to, her, to him complaining, sorry. We are told from verse 3, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And he asked, where have you laid him? And they responded, come and see, Lord. And Jesus wept. He was emotionally connected with them such that he could feel their pain. You know, in Jesus, we have a friend who stays closer than a brother. He's a friend that identifies with our sorrow. He's a friend who can change every situation, but he is willing to lower himself and experience pain with us and at the same time lead us to our own healing, to our own victory. He's a friend that stays closer than a brother. He's a friend that we can rely on. Even the Jews who are there understood this. They said, see how he loved him. He weeps here to show that he understands the fragility of life. Even though he is the resurrection and life. Verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. It's a cave, it's a tomb. It would have several other bodies in it. And Lazarus' body was there. And he said, take away the stone. He commanded them to take away the stone. But Martha said... Lord, by this time, he stinketh. 
That's what King James says. He stinketh. For he has been there for four days. It's not a good thing to do. Her perspective is still earthly. She's still looking at it from the human perspective. Jesus can see through the tomb and he can see Lazarus coming alive. Take away the stone. And of course, some who believed in Jesus obeyed. But I like what Jesus says to Martha in verse 40. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? That is a very strong statement. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? And Jesus is not referring to the fire or the cloud. He's referring to God's greatness. That if you believe, you will see the greatness of God. You will see his splendor. You will see his work. You will experience something that you've never experienced in your life. Something that will make you submit to his lordship. And when they move the stone... Jesus prays. He says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And then he called out, Lazarus, come out. da -da This is where everyone stands still. They thought he was stinking. There is no stinking. All eyes are looking at this cave. What's going to happen? And then they see a body wrapped in white clothing coming out. And everyone is looking at him. Who is this coming out? And then Jesus says, unwrap him. And, and they move. Maybe the sisters began to unwrap him. Or maybe it's the disciples. But as they unwrap him, his face, they see him. It's Lazarus. And their, their grief turns into joy. They begin to embrace him. Now they understand what Jesus was saying. Now they know why he delayed. Now they can turn to him and say, forgive us, Lord. We should have trusted you. Have you felt like that? You, you think you are so smart. And then God intervenes and you realize, oh, my goodness. Why did they do this? Why did they even think about this? Their joy turns 
Their, their, their sorrow turns to joy. Lazarus is alive. His sickness will not lead to death. Jesus, the resurrection and life comes to this family and everything changes. What do we learn from this? Let me give you three points and I'll be done now. My time is up. Number one, the Lord can be trusted even when he delays. Trust him. His delays are not denials. Trust him. His delays are motivated by his love for us. Number two, the Lord is more patient and accepting than we realize. See, you can hear, the, you can hear Martha and Mary and the Jews all blaming Jesus, and he doesn't really, he, st he still shows his empathy. He still identifies with their pain. He's more accepting and patient than we realize. And number three, and this is the, the message of this text. For those of you who are asking, how does God deal with our afflictions? I'm glad you asked. The Lord brings joy and life into our afflictions. He brings joy and life into our afflictions. David understood this when he said, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Yeah. When we realize that he brings joy and life into our afflictions, we will find the strength to trust and to wait on him. We will understand that his delays are motivated by his love for us. Let me encourage you, if you have been praying for your siblings, for your children, for your grandchildren, for your friends, if you have been praying for anything in your life and it seems like God is not responding, keep praying. He can be trusted. Sometimes God allows us to go through the extremities of life so that we can gain a deeper understanding of who he is. Sometimes he allows us to experience pain so that we can understand him better. He does not waste our experiences, and through it all, he will be glorified. And that should be our desire. He brings joy and life into our afflictions. Father, I come before you this morning thanking you for your life, thanking you for your love, thanking you for the joy that we receive from you. I thank you, Lord, for these young men from Teen Challenge that have experienced your transforming power, and they continue to rely on you for their total transformation. I thank you for each one of us who is here. 
even though many times we may have been tempted to doubt your love for us. We may have been tempted to blame you. We may have been tempted to turn away from you. You have remained patient with us. And we thank you, God. And we pray that you continue to minister to us, that you enable us, Father, to renew our strength because we know that you are doing something, that every time we come to you in prayer, you are doing something behind the curtains. We may not see it, we may not experience it, but as we continue to trust you, you will be glorified in our lives. You will be glorified in our needs. For those of us that are praying for our loved ones who, who don't know you, help us, Lord, to keep on trusting you on their behalf. Help us to keep on praying, Lord. Help us, Lord, to keep on waiting. Because, Father, you are never late because you're not controlled by time. Help us, Lord, to rely on your faithfulness. And if there is one person here who does not know you, Lord, one person who does not have a relationship with you, I pray that, Father, you may minister to her, that you may minister to him, that you may cause that person to turn to you this morning and submit his life her life to you for salvation so that she may receive a new life that is only found in you. May you be glorified in our lives and may you continue to accomplish the work that you have begun. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.